You are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because He is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with His purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. Well, Jesus clearly told his followers, including you and I, that we will have trouble in this world. Yet, let's face it, when hard times strike, we persist in asking, why is this happening? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee, conversations of friends of faith to encourage and equip. I'm Kim Crable, delighted and honored to be your host. When today's guest faced a life-threatening medical crisis a few years ago, he asked, God, why is this happening to me? As did many of his well-wishers. And then, when his father died in 2021 after surgery, he found himself wrestling with the why question again. Because I know this is a real struggle and even a stumbling block among believers, I've invited the one to whom I'm talking about, Mike Gordon, to join us for coffee today. He has invaluable insights about learning to entrust life into God's hands, even in the face of unanswered whys. So I hope that you'll help me welcome to our show today from Ontario, Canada, an ordained pastor and known not only as one of the friendliest people in the industry, but also as one of the most booked speakers in North America with almost 3,000 speaking engagements to date. Today, we have him with us. So welcome, Pastor Mike Gordon. Hey, Pastor, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Kim. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's such an honor to be here and hanging out with you. Well, I when I saw, when I read about you, I um, can't remember how I discovered you, but when I did and I read, um, you know, your passion and your topic, I thought, oh, man, this this is a hot topic among the among believers believers and I do believe that not only do we struggle with when hard times come at us but I do believe it's a stumbling block even though the scripture is so filled with with the with the opposite of that so I'm very excited about getting into that but before we get into that let's talk about you being the friendliest person in the industry I love that. It seems to me there's three three components, fun components about you, or three components. You are friendly. You are wise. And I've heard you're kind of funny, too. <laughs> I mean, uh, people laugh. That, that's a great sign. <laughs> so you, so you blend comedy with, with, your t- with your teaching, preaching, wisdom? I bring in comedy, yes. So a long time ago, um, when I went into speaking, I'm looking at all these speakers that are, you know, pastoring churches or speaking at conferences, and, and all of them were brilliant. Uh, but I also mm-hmm. felt like 
that's not me. You know, I, I, I bring yeah. maybe something a little different um, to maybe a platform like, you know, a church pulpit or a stage at a conference. And I actually wrestled with that for a little while, for a couple of years, um, thinking if I wanted to somehow be successful as a speaker, I felt like I had to do it the way everyone else did it. Knowing, no, I'm like, you know, a comedian. Like I, I tell jokes that just who I am and who God made me to be. <laughs> and a turning point for me actually was um, maybe 11 years ago. Maybe got a church. And this random man came up to me and did not know him. And I uh, started praying for me. And he said, God wants you to be you. Stop trying to be like everyone else. And for me, with just that moment, like, I felt like God was giving me permission. Like, be you on stage. Bring your humor. Bring God's word. You can do both. And, you know, uh, that will impact people. That will um, uh, connect with people who are listening. So that really gave me that moment. That was the moment where I felt God gave me permission to be myself. And for the last 10 or 11 years, I've been running down that journey as a speaker and bringing you know, from comedy on the stage, but, you know, everything I do does connect with uh, an overall theme or message or leads into the scriptures in some way, shape, or form. I love that. And you know what? Quite honestly, Pastor, we could stop this right now, and you've already given enough wisdom. If people could just, all of us could just lean into what you just said. God wants you to be you. I think that that, what a tremendous message for our world today. We're trying to be everyone else. And as a Christian counselor, that's one of the things that I work with, trying to help people understand the value of who they are and the, and the value of their story. So um, already you've spoken such wisdom into um, enough wisdom that it takes a lifetime, really, to find yourself and know who you are. So good for you. So once you started incorporating yourself as you are, as God gifted you into your speaking, did you see a difference? 100%. Um, so I, I was pastoring before that in churches, but like you know, 10, maybe 10, 11 years ago, I felt this call to focus on traveling and speaking full time. And uh-huh. really the first year, you know, I might have been doing maybe four or five speaking engagements a month, which is great. However, yeah, yeah after that moment, um, I probably took another year learning what that meant as a communicator, you know, to be myself, how do I properly find that balance of bringing humor and comedy into theology and, you know, and powerful messages. And really it was maybe a year later, all of a sudden I'm being booked to speak in like conferences in China and like in the U S and flying out to like, you know, Europe. And it went from four or five speaking engagements a month to maybe 18 to 20. And it just, really took off from there it really did wow well i think people can sense the authenticity and that's what we all long to to do is to be able to be our most authentic self you know well i will just tell you one thing we have in common we love the lord we're pursuing our passion one thing we do not have in common is i want to be a comedian i want to tell jokes but, but, Pastor, I get so tickled at the jokes that I'm trying to tell that I'm the only one laughing. So everybody 
Tony is not laughing at the jokes I'm trying to tell. They're laughing at me trying to tell the jokes. And so um, that's kind of one of the side notes that people know about me is I, I, I love to laugh, but I'm not good at making other people laugh. So <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> and I have been there, too. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it. Go ahead. Oh, I can say, I mean, I can't tell you how often I was the only person laughing at my own joke <laughs> on stage. So I've yeah. been there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a gift. It's a spiritual yeah. gift to laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's a way for God to bring humility back into your life, too, I will tell you. <laughs> so true. Right? <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, Pastor, tell us a little bit about your story and your ministry, uh, and then we're going to get into, you know, the tour that you found that you that you did last year. But I really want to – I want to know – I want our audience to know about you, what you're doing – but then I want to land on this topic uh, that we had talked about, uh, what to do when we're disappointed in life and, and we think that God is just, uh, has left the building, so to speak. So let's start out by tell, tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and your ministry. Yeah, thank you. So I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, a beautiful, mm-hmm. amazing city. However, I was not raised in your typical church home. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we went to church on Christmas uh, or Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. maybe Good Friday. But that was mm-hmm. the extent of our church background. So growing up, it was, you know, a typical life. Go to school, you know, go play sports and, you know, be an average kid. And what really changed everything for me was uh, when I was 13 years old, I remember, you know, my parents calling me downstairs to the kitchen table, and that's when my mom shared that my mom and dad, they were getting a divorce. And when you were 13, that just shakes your whole yeah. entire world. Uh, the following year, um, just because of these circumstances, my mom was seeing another man. I did not get along with him. So I got kicked out of my house at 14 years old, and... It, was, it wasn't kicked out, come back tomorrow. It was the police were involved. They gave me a garbage bag. They said, I have, I have five minutes to get my stuff. So at 14 years old, you know, it's a pretty serious situation. But however, yes. in hindsight, I think that moment started to direct my steps towards God. Because um, yeah. what happened was over the next few years, I did not really care what I did. Um, I did not really have um, your typical family home that cared what I did or who I hung out with or what time I came home. So for the next couple of years in high school, I just got involved in whatever I thought would make me happy, um, realizing after four years, none of that led to happiness or joy or fulfillment. You know, it was all you know, um, brokenness and hopelessness and emptiness. And that actually opened me up to, is this it? And around that yeah. time, one of my lifetime friends, Daryl, he started going to a local church and he invited me out and he said, listen, I go to a church, but they run a basketball ministry at your high school. Every Saturday evening, they open the gym. Anyone can come. So Daryl said, come play basketball. 
I grew up playing basketball. I was on the high school basketball team. So I could not care less who was running the basketball program. I was just happy to play basketball anywhere. So I Mm. ended up going to this basketball ministry. Um, I met the youth pastor there. His name is Rob. And he started asking very simple questions, like, how are you doing? (laughs) Or um, very simple questions. Or, you know, if I had, like, a baseball tournament the following week, he might say, hey, how was your tournament? Now, these are basic Mm. questions, but I wasn't really getting these questions asked at home or really by many people. Um, To him, they were normal Mm. and basic. To me, it was, oh, this person actually cares about my life. You know, they're very sincere. They want to get to know me and invest into me. And uh, so I built up a trust with uh, the youth pastor, Rob, and eventually he invited me to different youth ministry events. He invited me to church. And then uh, somehow I signed up to go on a mission trip to Mexico during uh, during spring break. Now, I had no idea what a mission trip was. (laughs) I'm from from Canada, so I'm thinking, let's get out of winter. Let's go where it's nice and warm. (laughs) So I'm packing my bathing suit, you know, not realizing we are in the middle of the desert. There's no water anywhere where where we were. (laughs) And we went down there and started, you know, helping uh, with the community and we stayed in an orphanage and helped, you know, the the workers there. And it was on a Wednesday night, March 13th, um, where a different speaker gave a gospel presentation. And he laid it out from beginning to end, starting with Genesis and Adam and Eve and what sin was and how Jesus comes into the picture and what he did uh, and although I've heard little pieces of the gospel message, I think that was the first night I heard the whole entire story as one sermon, if that makes sense. And yes. afterwards, they gave an altar call and said, if anyone here wants to give their life to Jesus, come to the front. Now, this is a mission trip. So everyone who was signed up on a mission trip, they were all raised in church. So I'm looking around going, nobody's going to the front. Why is no one going to the front? Well, because they gave their life to Christ when they were like nine years old. <laughs> right. So I was right. so embarrassed. Because I actually mm. chickened out. So I did not go to the front because I did not want to be the only one. However, right. later that evening, I had this moment with God and just said, Lord, I'm done doing life my way. I want to do it your way. And, you know, I gave my life to Christ and just changed my whole entire lifestyle. And, and a big part is, oh. you know, the Holy Spirit. God really did a big part into changing some of my desires. But when I did yeah. go back home, back to Toronto, I had to be wise as well. I couldn't keep hanging out with the same people, you know, or going to the same parties or doing the same stuff that way. And and it really was a 180. And some of the stuff I was involved in from whether it was crime or drinking never touched any of that ever again. And it really was the definition of new creation. And that's mm. how I started to know about Jesus and the journey Jesus has me on. And because of that, that actually steered me towards of calling into ministry. Wow. What, what an, what an incredible story. Um, I'm saying I, I didn't know any of that about you. And that's why I love doing these interviews is because 
we see, uh, you know, I can read on bios about people, and I see where you're the most book speaker, and I can see, why, you know, why you like to talk about hurt and pain and disappointment, and I see where you, all these things, you know, but it's those backstories, the why. Why do you do that that I love to hear? And, and what you just did was you just made yourself so real and so authentic mm. to every person that will be listening to this. And, and I just love that. Before we move on, though, into, um, you know, what you did, what, one of the things that you said there that I, I never want to miss the opportunity, Pastor, of someone else not understanding the gospel. And I know that you don't, you're not going to, we don't have time for you to go through the whole presentation, but let's just say that there's someone that's listening and they're going, wait a minute. Okay, this gospel thing he's talked about, because we go into many countries, this station does. Maybe someone's out there and going, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm where Mike was before he came, became Pastor Mike. I've tried all these things, and I'm also left saying, really, is this it? So how would you, uh, what would you say to them about changing their life and accepting Christ today? One of my challenges um, going into that week in Mexico um, was as I started to understand the gospel more, and like I said, it was a Wednesday night when they really unpacked everything. But as I was, as I was wrestling with everything, the thought that kept coming back into my mind was, but, you know, like Jesus forgive, but, and then I have some excuse, yeah. but I did this three years ago. Or, you know, yeah. God loves you. My head goes, but, you know, I'm not a good person, but he doesn't understand, you know, I, I don't like him or whatever my reasons were growing up. And it was always that but. And I think ultimately that but is Satan getting in your mind, trying to steer you yeah. away from the good news. Because yeah. we live in a world where we don't really see that unconditional love and grace yeah. applied the way God applies it because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for our sins that we can be forgiven uh, and become a new creation. So for me, one of the, one of the things I wrestled with was you know, how do I turn from the past and how do I shut mm. out, out all those buts, you know, that are maybe stopping me from even entertaining the idea of giving my life to God, yet alone giving my life to Christ like I did. So I would tell anybody, you know, if, if you feel this nudge or this openness to Jesus or this good news and understanding of love, don't discredit what he did because of your past and understand he won't discredit you because of your past. His grace applies to everybody. And that was one of the big pieces I needed to get my head around, if that makes sense, because it is a yeah. little bizarre, at least from my upbringing, that someone will forgive you and love you and wants a relationship with you despite how messy your life might be. Mm. I love that. Uh, uh, yes, and thank you so much for allowing me to ask you that question because one thing that um, that I never want to do is just assume. It's like you being that little boy on, on March 13th sitting in that church mm -hmm. looking around thinking, you know, why why am I the only one? And I feel like there's so many people who are sitting, and we know this statistically, sitting in our churches today, and I believe that when the Holy Spirit falls and I feel like we're looking around, perceiving that we're going to be judged if we go up, even though we we don't have that peace. And maybe we are, uh, you know, uh, doing 
something in the church or serving some way, and we feel that we'll be so condemned. And so um, thank you for allowing me to do that because, and, and I will just say, you know, to our audience, you know, if you're out there and you've been in church, maybe you're a deacon of a church, maybe you're the pastor of the church, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, and, and you've never felt that real connection, can I just tell you, welcome to the club. So many of us have been there. I served in ministry for so long, and I didn't feel that connection with God until I really surrendered my life to him. And that's exactly what Pastor Micah said. So don't be embarrassed. Or don't feel like you're going to be judged. People will actually rejoice with you at you coming to the Lord. And hey, guess what? If they don't, the Bible says all of heaven will rejoice. So you know, right, <laughs> Pastor Mike? Uh, let's make heaven rejoice. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so that that's how that's how much we matter. You know, one of the one of the buts that I think that we can talk about this morning is when when we're talking about but God is um and and diving into um uh, our real topic of today is so many people are holding a grudge against God in their relationship with him because they go but but God bad things have happened to me and I don't have an answer so let's dive into that a little bit and and talk about that because I know that is the theme of of what one of one of the themes that that you like to talk about so let's let's dive into that and uh talk about some of your um, your speaking tours that you did last year about about your response to what what do we do when when bad things happen to us? Yeah, and I, and I, I love that segue because on the other end, yeah, I, I have chatted with many people in life who will say, "I want to accept Jesus, but I don't have an answer to why I went through this hard time ten years ago, five years ago." And it almost feels like I can't trust God with my life until I get an mm-hmm. answer. And this past tour I did last year really looked at the big question. Um, why did this happen? And I had the yeah. whole sermon and message and tour was based off a really funny, awkward moment I had with one of my neighbors. And a long story short, I thought one of their pets passed away on my front lawn. Well, I was wrong, but I told them their pet passed away, and it just turned into a very awkward, comical-type situation. But she asked such a deep question in the middle of this, thinking that her cat may have passed away. She said, why did this happen? And that triggered this whole entire tour. Why did this happen? But a lot of times when we go through hard times or circumstances, um, that, that we did not sign up for. We always ask the same question, or usually ask the same question, but we direct it to God. God, why did this happen? And I would tell mm. people on the tour, that's a great question. Here's yes. the problem with that question. You may never get an answer. Yes. Now, maybe there's times in hindsight, you look back 10 years, 5 years, and maybe it makes sense how you can see that moment God at work in hindsight, or how maybe he directed your steps from that circumstance. For example, I mentioned my parents getting divorced at 13. That was one of the most Mm. horrible situations in my life. And in that moment, I could not see God in any way, shape, or form. In hindsight, yeah, I can look back now and see how God was able to use what the enemy did 
and was able to, like, you know, bring beauty for, the, for those ashes and direct those steps. And I actually believe because of that hard time, it drew me closer to God and ultimately giving my life to Christ. So sometimes in hindsight, I, I maybe what you went through, you might be able to connect the dots or maybe at least see where God was. However, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you get the answer why that happened. I don't know exactly why my, my parents got divorced. You know, there could have been a different way for God to get my attention. You know, um, I can't explain why maybe someone born with a physical complication. I can't explain why somebody might be, uh, you know, in a situation where they're financially blessed, why maybe born into a country where they don't have clean water. So I can't really explain on a case-to-case basis you know, why people have gone through what they've gone through or why they're going through what they're going through. And the challenge is sometimes when we ask that question, why did this happen, we expect some sort of audible answer from God. And if we Mm -hmm. don't get it, I've seen many people step away from God or stop going to church or putting their Bible aside and saying, until I understand, I don't want anything to do with him right now. And I've seen it very, very often. And sometimes I'm realizing maybe the challenge is when we go through hard times, maybe our our Sunday school theology that we received when we were seven years old, maybe that's shaken a little bit. And maybe God is not always in this nice little box that we present him in. Maybe life is a little more complicated than we think. Maybe the world's a little more broken than we believe. But it's a very common question we have. Why did this happen? So the whole tour looked at, if you don't get an answer, can you still trust your life in God's hands and move forward? And for many people, that was, um, at least for, from some of the feedback I had and emails and social media messages, it seemed to be a message that connected with a lot of people. I can only under, I, I understand that so much, everything you're saying, so many times. And it kind of reminds me of um, the three Hebrew boys that were getting ready to be thrown into the fire, you'll remember. And they said, you know, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will still believe. And, and so many times I'll ask people in the, you know, in the counseling room, what if God doesn't come through? Will mm. you still love him anyway? You know, can you make that because um, because he, his his plans are bigger than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We so many times we can't see the big picture. We're we're caught in the picture and we can't see it. So, and I do you? Um, well, of course you do because you did a tour on this last year about helping people become unstuck, so to speak, from from the struggle of trying to figure out what God is doing so that they can move on in the midst of the hurt. Uh, Pastor Mike, we we need to take a 30-second break, and when we do, I want to come back and talk about the Bible story uh, that you speak on to help explain to people uh, who are going through difficult seasons. We're going to put it back to that, if that's okay with you. And I'll, I would like to open up the airways. I know that there are people out there that um, have a lot of questions. They may just rather soak in your wisdom and, and contact you later. But if anyone is listening and if they have a question, I'd like to open up the lines the last half hour of the show. Uh, if you have a very brief question that you'd like to ask, the number is 
5246, be sure and press 1, and they will alert me. Um, you'll go into a green room, and they'll alert me that you're there, and we'll bring you on to ask a very detailed question if you have one for Pastor Mike. But, friends, I want you to know when we come back, I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to speak about the Bible story that he uses. Then I want to ask him to give some advice to someone who is wrestling with not knowing their whys, what's going on. Um, and so we, we have a, a big show uh, coming up So to finish this off. So, Pastor Mike, we're going to give it 30 seconds, and then we'll be right back, okay? Perfect. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee uh, Live Talk Radio right here. Remember, coffee is an acrostic that stands for Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. We're so delighted to have you today or if you're listening later, and we'd love for you to pass this along because this is a message that will help everyone. Before we get back to our incredible speaker, Pastor Mike Gordon, I'd like to invite you to check out our webpage at www.kimcravel.org. Uh, find out what's going on with us. We are booking uh, engagements, speaking engagements across the nation and beyond. We also have our TV show we'd love for you to be a part of. So check us out. It's all about um, spreading God's hope to a hurting world and helping people discover the power of their story. And so check us out. We'd love to uh, partner with you in any way that we can. All right. Well, let's get back to Pastor Mike Gordon, who is uh, calling in from Ontario. We're so blessed to have him. This man stays so busy. He blends his friendliness, his wisdom, and his uh, comedic side to bring a very strong message to hurting people. And what better way to get into the heart of someone is to ease into it with maybe a little humor um, to, to really set it up. So, Pastor Mike, again, I just want to thank you. I know you're a busy man, and I just want to thank you so much for spending a full hour with us today. Again, thank you so much. This is – thank you. <laughs> Well, I, I, I love your heart. I love your message. I love the topic. And so we're going to talk about, and at the end, I know people are already saying they want to know um, how to reach you. We're going to give all that information. So everybody hold on. That definitely is coming. But let's start out today. We're on this topic of why did this happen? Why did this happen? And so um, what Bible story, Pastor Mike, do you use to help explain this to people? Yeah, so I typically start off with one particular scripture, and that, uh-huh. that kind of segues into one story or another, you know, depending on, you know, who I'm speaking to and where God's leading it. But I always start with John uh, 16. In this world, you will have trouble. Uh, he's talking yes. to his followers. He did not say you might have trouble. He did not say if you have a perfect church attendance record, then you will be exempted from trouble. He does not say that at all. He 
said, in this world, you will have trouble. And I usually start that way because when we go through trouble, sometimes our normal response is, uh, no one told me this would happen. You know, sometimes maybe when you, you're presented a gospel message and you make a decision to follow Jesus, we do a great job as pastors and communicators to show all the blessings and, you know, uh, about you know, being a new creation and being a Christian and discipleship. And I think sometimes we forget to tell believers it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean, right. you know, Satan won't come along and try to mess this up. And uh, so when I tell people, no, Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. Like, we should not be surprised if we go through a troubling circumstance. And usually that just kind of, like, make people go, huh, good point. Yeah, if Jesus said it, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't yeah. be too surprised. And then from there, you know, one of the stories I've been focused on, I mentioned, you know, there's two, but um, one of the ones I've been focused on, uh, I, I take it from Mark chapter 5. Now, the story is also found in, it's found in three out of four Gospels, but it's about that story was the woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She's been ill for 12 years. And to understand the context behind this whole story, we, we see Jesus. And, and Jesus, he comes, you know, uh, you know across, the, across the lake, and he's met by this large crowd that's gathering around him. Now, the writer wanted you to know the crowd was large. Now, what is large? Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. 500 people, 5,000 people, I have no idea. But all I can picture is a large crowd means there's many people who might be going through hard times. There's many people who are obviously gravitating towards Jesus because maybe they wanted some teaching, maybe they needed healing, maybe there's some hope that he was presenting. In the culture at that point, they would have seen and known Jesus as the rabbi, Jesus the teacher, not Jesus the Messiah. So we mm-hmm. see this large crowd, and I can't imagine the circumstances some of them might have been going through. It's no different when you attend church on a Sunday morning or if I'm speaking at a conference that might have 15,000 people. I have no idea what people are dealing with. And the reality is you might not have any idea what the person in the row in front of you is going through. You know, sometimes we don't really share our circumstances or share what we're going through or, or how it's affecting us or allowing us to doubt maybe. So when we see this story, I always point out this large crowd. It's maybe no different than the crowd that might be at a church or a conference. And what actually triggered the whole, you know, a series of events was a religious leader, a synagogue leader. This would be someone who had authority in their town. They would have been known in their town. They would have had credibility in their town. And his situation was his daughter was dying. So he steps out of the crowd and pursues Jesus, and he's pleading with Jesus, please, 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 you know, help fix my daughter, help heal my daughter. And Jesus agrees to it. So Jesus and the synagogue leader are walking towards, you know, the house. And, you know, the crowd obviously does not have the social cue to go, maybe we shouldn't follow. (laughs) What do they do? They're thinking it's an open invitation. So they all follow Jesus and the synagogue leader. And that's when we're introduced to this another woman. And and, and this woman, 
she's been ill and bleeding. The scripture wants you to know that she's been bleeding for 12 years, which in the Hebrew culture, she would be considered unclean. And because of that, she was not allowed in the crowd. She was not allowed to go to the market because in the Hebrew scriptures, the understanding was they might contaminate someone else. So they had to be isolated. They had to be by themselves. And the scholars will probably say, you know, yeah, she was going through a physical situation, but the punishment is almost like a social death, you know, because you're almost yeah. by yourself. Now, if you can get healed or cleaned up or, you know, a fix or medication that could help you, well, then you can go back to a normal life. So the scripture talks mm. about how this woman went from one doctor to another to another. She spent everything that she had. And, and it says mm. she was left even worse. Now, I'm not sure if that meant physically worse or emotionally worse, just going, I'm hopeless, this will never change, it will always be this way, and it seems like a really dark moment. And I could imagine, Mm. like any one of us, she's probably asking the same question, God, why is this happening? So Mm. the next part of that story, all of a sudden, that Jesus, the synagogue leader, and all of these people are walking towards this house where the daughter is, this woman who's been ill for 12 years, she approaches Jesus in the crowd. Now, she's not supposed to be in the crowd. That's the punishment, you know, if she gets caught in the crowd. And she said to herself, if I could just touch his clothes, then maybe I would get healed. Mm. Now, that's a weird scripture. <laughs> it's one of those scriptures we go, mm-hmm, that sounds great, but it's a little bit weird. You know, if, if you're sick, uh-huh. you're not showing up to church saying, if I could just touch the pastor tie, you know, then everything will be uh-huh. great. You know, you're not thinking that right. on a Sunday morning. Right. But, but uh-huh. the understanding behind this scripture is it ta- it's connected to a scripture in the Old Testament of Malachi, talking about when the Messiah comes, he will have the healing powers on his clothes, the tip of his wings. And what we see in this moment is when this woman says, if I can just reach out and touch him. Yeah. Well, She's recognizing this man, Jesus, he's not just a rabbi or a teacher. This man might be the Messiah. And she's willing to risk her life because the person who had the authority to punish her was actually standing right beside Jesus, the synagogue leader, for breaking his Hebrew laws. So for her to reach out and go into the crowd and risking her life knowing the man who could punish her right beside Jesus, she was literally trusting her life in Jesus' hands despite what the results might be. And in her situation, mm-hmm. and everyone's situation is different, in her situation, she was healed. And Jesus turns to her, well, Jesus says, who touched me? And one of his disciples is like, what do you mean who touched you? Like, everyone's bumping into you, Jesus. Like, who touched you? Like, what? And Jesus said, no, no, someone touched me. Who touched me? And obviously, this is the first time Jesus speaks in the story. So when he speaks, yeah. everyone is listening. Everyone yeah. stops. And he sees this woman, you know, in fear and trembling. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And the thing I point out in this story is that she goes in peace. As she leaves this crowd, goes back to maybe a normal life she hasn't had in 12 years. The question, why did this happen, was never answered. Mm-hmm. At no point did Jesus say, daughter, Here's why you were sick for 12 years. 
At no point did Jesus explain maybe the medical, you know, science background of you know, maybe the illness or whatever the situation she had was. At no point did Jesus give her an answer why this happened. But she was still able to trust her life in Jesus' hand despite having that answer. So part of this tour is just looking at, uh, and this message I've been doing for a little while now, yeah. and also connected to the book I'm writing, it's just saying, how can we be like that woman where if they don't get the answer, why did this happen? That's okay. You know, and, and part yeah. of the, you know, the tour that I did, I touch on this in the book and, you know, even just in my one-on-one uh, conversation with people, um, you briefly mentioned near the beginning of our conversation about uh, how I went through a medical situation. And my medical situation was 2019. I was on tour. While I was on tour, my stomach felt a little funny. And I went to, like, you know, a restaurant and had, like, very spicy food. I'm blaming the spice. I'm thinking I just had, you know, bad food, whatever it was, and not realizing I was actually going through a medical situation. And it's a very long story, but the short story was uh, my intestines end up tearing open. <laughs> uh, oh, rushed to the hospital, major surgery. I was in the hospital for about 24, 25 days. And it led mm. to like one complication after another. And it's interesting because I had so many people messaging me. And they all meant well. You know, when someone yes. says, hey, I'm praying for you, I have hope, you know, you know, praying for peace, praying for a speedy recovery. But then... People thought it was their job to explain why this happened, you know, and mm. that's when I realized people have very different theological views on explaining trouble in tough times. And sometimes we almost feel like we have to give people an answer. This is why God mm. allowed it. This is why it's happening. This is why. This is why. And I don't know if we're always able to give an answer, especially on someone else's behalf. And then that just turned into one story after another. And, but in the hospital, it was almost discouraging because here I am going, God, why did this happen? And I had to cancel an 80-city speaking tour because I was in the hospital. And, and now I'm getting wow. advice from people trying to explain why it happened, which I don't know where they found some of these ideas in the Bible. <laughs> but yeah, like, when like, God in these moments, and then maybe someone yeah. that has credibility or someone you look up to or someone, you know, that um, maybe is, uh, has a little more wisdom or a little older in their uh, walk with Jesus, when they're sharing, oh, this is why. Like one person told me, well, maybe God does not want you to do ministry anymore, and this is why he allowed it. I'm like, ah, I feel like God wants people to share the gospel. I don't know if that's the reason why it happened, but, but that gets into your head wow. now thinking, is this it? Like, am I done doing ministry? So it's just wow. really fascinating. Uh, just, but it made me realize, I don't know if we have great theology, and sometimes the answer, I don't know why it happened, might be the best answer. Now, to fast mm. forward uh, a couple of years, in 2021, my dad was in the hospital, and he went in for a very basic surgery. And it's a long story as well, but the short version of the story is um, after the basic surgery, he did not recover. He was on life support for a few days, and I eventually went off to her and wanted to visit him, and, and I was there um, when he passed away. And after he passed away, I sat there by myself with him, you know, for two hours, 
just asking God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And it's funny because I wanted an answer. Despite me being in a hospital two years before and maybe in that moment thinking I don't want an answer, it's funny how that question keeps popping up in life. No matter how many tours you do in between, no matter how many scriptures you read in between, it seems like that question keeps popping up. And that desire to wanting an answer is understandable. And that's when I had to come to peace going, I may never get an answer. And here I am a year and a half later after my dad passed away, and I still have no idea why it happened. But I'm still realizing I can trust my life in God's hands regardless of knowing why. I can keep following him. I can keep pursuing him and the plans and desires that he has for my life. And, you know, I tell people, this is part of the tour and part of the big message I would do, I would say, it's okay not to know why it happened, but it's not okay to quit on God because it happened. And oh, moments, I love that. Yeah, and in those moments, it's so tempting to quit or step back or put our Bible aside or, you know, maybe go back to our old lifestyle. But it's okay not to know why it happened. It's not okay to quit on God because it happened. So that's just a little insight I pulled from this one story uh, about Jesus and the religious leader and this woman uh, who was ill for 12 years and try to bring that into, you know, 2023 and, you know, our day-to-day life. And uh, if anything, just allows us to look at the scripture and realize, although they were written thousands of years ago, they're still alive and well today, and they still speak to us today. And these messages and real people in the Bible who went through real situations are not much different than any one of us. Yeah, oh, I, and thank you. Wow, I, I've, I've, sit, I've written uh, two pages of notes on just what you've talked about because I'm such a note taker, and uh, so many things that you said really matter, and I, I know it's just seeping into the hearts of the listeners because this is such a big topic. But, boy, you summed it all up. And, you know, Pastor Michael, in preparation for this, I started thinking about so many of the people in the Bible that, really hard times came to, you know, they came into their lives. Uh, The blind man, you remember in John 9 when uh, the disciples asked Jesus, oh, my gosh, he's blind. Who sinned, um, this man or his parents, you know? And so let's talk about that for a minute because I I feel like our churches are filled or believers are filled with a concept that is so not scripturally true, but somehow we have it in our mind that if we're living the way that God would have us to be living, then somehow we're exempt from any bad thing happening to us. That is so such bad theology. I mean, obviously with the, with the scripture you just gave, it, it counters that. But somehow we still get it in our mind. So when our marriages are falling apart, when our teenagers are caught in drugs, when we have uh, uh, turned on the pornography that uh, that we see that, that the growing rage in that, when we're doing the things that are not becoming to us as believers and we fall into this, we have this horrid fear of going out and sharing it with someone because we should, we should be better than that. We shouldn't, nothing ill will to come to our house. Let's talk about how the enemy is using that thought, that lie against us to keep us from being our best selves. It really is causing us to quit because of things that have happened. Yeah, no, and that's so true. And I think 
I don't think we talk about the enemy enough. You know, yeah. I, I think sometimes we forget, and I know there's so many different denominations that might have different theological understandings of Satan, the enemy, but at the end of the day, I think we all can agree he's real and he has an agenda. And if right. his agenda is to take us away from God, and whether that's, you know, playing his part in brokenness or a circumstance we went through, and allowing us to believe that was God, so we get mad at God or upset with God or don't want to talk to God, well, then the enemy yeah. doing his job. You know, and I think sometimes I'm not the first one to label spiritual warfare on everything, but right. I can't completely dismiss it at the same time because it is reality. And I think Satan, not to praise him, but he knows what he's doing. And I think he has gotten in the minds of many people who have gone through hard times and cause them to doubt and cause them to, you know, turn away. And, but also I think the church too, I, I think there is this teaching, and I don't mean this to be, you know, rude or anything to words any communicator over the last hundred years or whatever, but sometimes right. there is a teaching of, you know, if you give your life to Jesus, everything will be great, you know, you always have joy. And, you know, and I do believe there's a lot of truth to all of that, of course. But again, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, once you go through trouble, well, people can judge you, and people start talking behind your back, and they go, oh, is there sin in their life? You know, is this the reason? Like, is it because maybe they're, you know, not trusting God? Maybe they don't have enough faith, but those things get to us, you know, and I think one of the reasons we don't always share our hard times is because we don't know how people might perceive it, and now the challenge with that, that's a whole different, this is a whole different conversation, but the challenge is when no one's talking about their hard times, when they're in it, we hear about yeah. people's hard times five years later when they're sharing their testimony. <laughs> but right, we don't right. always hear about it when they're in it. And the problem is right. if you're the one going through that hard time and no one else is talking about the hard time they're going through, you're looking around going, am I the only one? Is yeah. there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong, wrong with my walk with Jesus? Is there something? And then sometimes we don't want to get judged or sometimes we feel like we're so alone in it or people might assume it because of sin or whatever, you know, theological understanding they have. A lot of times we can step back from the church or our church community because, you know, we don't want to endure that kind of, uh, you know, uh, like whether gossip or slander or, you know, uh, assumptions about our lives or why we're going through what we're going through. And, And I still think that's ultimately the work of the enemy. I really do. But, we're all human, and I don't care if we're 12 years old or 82 years old. Um, mm-hmm. Those things can also affect us. Yeah, absolutely, and and they and they can stop us. You know, the the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible tells us. Here's one, here's a, here's a, an an analogy. You know, we just had the Super Bowl game yesterday. I I lived in Baltimore for a number of years. I'd go down to watch the Ravens uh, play on many Sundays. And you know, not, not one time did the did the Baltimore Ravens take the field and go, "Oh, look, it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is who we're playing today." Oh, I'm so glad. No, they knew their opponent. They knew who they were mm-hmm. playing, and they had studied what they were going to do so that they could confront them and control them. Well, that's the same way with us as believers. We have to know that we have an opponent. It is our enemy. And we don't just show up hoping, you know, that, that we know how to, um, to 
defeat him. You know, we allow, we, we must know more about him so that we can use the scriptures to counteract all the lies and all the things that he does. And, and so I agree, Pastor, I think that we don't talk about him enough in the sense of not to glorify him, but to know how to maneuver uh, around him and confront him. And the other thing that I'll, I want to make a quick comment about with you, you're talking about um, the, uh, the scrutiny of people when they find out that we are having troubles or there's something going on, you know, not to speak that, what is it? Um, shame, shame needs one thing to survive and that's secrecy. And the more the enemy can silence us and to keep us um, silent about that, you know, the shame, guilt, and regret begins to build upon our hearts. And, you know, we must remember that we are targeted uh, by the enemy, chosen by Christ, targeted by the enemy to to uh, to stop the good things that he has called us to do. And just like it goes all the way back to how you started your story, Pastor Mike, when you felt like you wanted to use comedy to, to soften the hearts, to bring people into a moment of intimacy, you know, with your talking so that you could, you know, go in for the, you know, for, for with the wisdom. You know, fighting who we are and how God has made us to be. Once we accept all this, then we we really do. I'm, I'm, my my uh, theme for 2023 is living free in 23. You know, to be free mm-hmm. of all these things so that we can be who God called us to be and to understand all these truths, so we can do what God has called us to do. Oh my gosh! Okay, we have about five or six minutes left. I, I would <laughs> love for you, if you would. Share some, share with us um, some advice that you would give someone who is wrestling with not knowing uh, what is what they're going through now, and then we're going to talk about how people can reach out to you. But for someone who is who is leaning in, and I know there are several who are going through really really hard times. They've been diagnosed with cancer. Their spouse has just walked out on them. Their teen has just, um, you know, been been incarcerated or something. I mean, you think about that. Or those who are just living with things that people can't see. They're just living with this incredible sense of, of insecurity because of something that was said to them, you know, young in their childhood. All the many things that could be going on in someone's life today that is not what would uh, we would – you know, deem as uh, wonderful and perfect and lovely. What would you say to those who are really trying to do what God has called them to do, but yet they're in such a struggle? Yeah, I would say finish reading John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble, but, but take heart because I have overcome this world. And I think just that understanding of God is with you through this, um, you know, want to lead you through it, maybe not around it, maybe not over it, and maybe going through it might be challenging, but he has not forsaken you, although maybe we feel like he has. I try to encourage people, you are not alone unless mm-hmm. you step back from God and say, I want nothing to do with him. In these moments, I think we need to press forward and go, I don't understand what's going on. It hurts. You know, I don't like it, yeah. but if anything, these are the moments we need to depend on God even more. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, let's finish on this one point. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was speaking at a church in Jerusalem. And for one of the days I was out there, um, this rabbi took me around to give me a little tour. And, and he started unpacking this word called blessing. 
and, and sometimes, you know, in a North American context, we use blessing as when something good happens. And he looked at right. the idea of blessing being anything that brings us closer to God. Yeah. And I learned in life, sometimes the hardest circumstances and moments in our life might be the biggest blessings. So in hindsight, you might look at those and go, those moments drew me closer to God like never before. I decided to press forward. I decided to go through it. I decided to walk with him. And in hindsight, you mm-hmm. go, my relationship with him became so much stronger because those hard moments actually drew me closer to him. And I tell people that all the time. You might be able to look back in hindsight. Sure, you may not always have an answer to why this happened, but you might look back and go, that was a moment that really defined my relationship with our Savior. Mm. As lived through your life, which is what makes, you know, it just puts such an exclamation mark on everything that you're saying because we go back to that little boy, uh, and it, was, it, it is a little boy at 14, that mm-hmm. was kicked out of your home and became homeless. But thank God for the, for the person named Daryl. Thank God for the yep. person named Rob. Thank God for the, uh, the mission trip, you know. You know, all of these things that you can go back and see God's divine intervention in your life to get you to where you are now. And I am, we're all so thankful for your life, Pastor. Uh, and we're just so thankful that you joined us today. Could you please take a moment and just tell um, our audience how they could get in touch with you? And, of course, we'll be putting this on all, all of our websites, but if you would just uh, do that as well. Yeah, thank you. Again, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend the morning with you and all your, all your, uh, your viewers and your supporters. So thank you so much. Yeah, the easiest way to get in touch with me, you know, I do have a website, officialmikegordon.com. I do have my social medias as well, same tag, uh, you know, official Mike Gordon. Uh, so anyone can, you know, if you need prayer, if you want me to even clarify something I talked about today, if you're listening, send me a message. I'm more than happy to answer and respond and try to, you know, help walk uh, with you through this. Uh, so, yeah, those are my social media handles. I do respond to all my own messages. So if anyone's listening, uh, <laughs> feel free to yeah. reach out. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And and I will say Gordon is G-O-R-D-O-N. I had uh, I put an E in there, or our team had, so it's O-N. So I'm sure they'd reach you either way. Yeah, Pastor Mike, I, I can't even tell you what an honor it's been to have this this time with you. We still have uh, maybe one more minute. A, a final note, a final message you'd like to give uh, to our listeners today? Yeah, and, and I, I just go back to, I was younger. I made a decision to give my life to Jesus, period. Not give my life to Jesus as long as it goes good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and follow him, period, no matter if I'm going through the good days or the bad days. And I encourage everyone the same thing. If you give your life to Jesus, don't put, don't put conditions on it. Follow, trust him. When the trouble comes, lean in and understand you have victory because of what Jesus did on the cross. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. 
And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And please uh, pass this around. We have no idea, as, as Pastor Mike said, we have no idea what's lurking in the hearts of those who sit beside us in church, those who live beside us in, beside us in our neighborhoods, or even those that will pass in the grocery store today. But we can promise you, because of the scripture, in this world we are all going to have trials and tribulations, but... Don't use the but as excuses to run away, as Pastor Mike said, but use the but to see where God's hope is. But God has overcome it all. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Mike will be in touch. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time right here on Coffee. Bye, Pastor Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit kimcrable.org. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.